Sweet. We'll let Dan do the intro music by mouth. Here we go. Dan. <laughs> I like the idea that our intro music has Jurassic Park underpinning it. Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. This is episode 51 and our two-year anniversary. Everyone, we did it. Yay. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my toddler, newborn infant, they're, they're growing up, uh, my, my two lovely co-hosts who are just learning to walk and learning about their shapes and their colors. It's Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And it's Dan. Aren't you the youngest one on this podcast? Well, you I take an authoritative role of responsibility it's not my fault that you guys are immature <laughs> whatever ladies exactly and i think that this intro <laughs> is perfect for our chosen tagline of the day wise words were once spoken by a man named travis hill regarding our podcast here and his words of advice were don't worry everyone they don't know what they're doing either <laughs> and i feel like here two years in this statement holds true that's why it's fun you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates. Yeah, well, I think that's supposed to be for the listener's experience. Is that supposed to be for us, too? Well, I mean, it keeps us going, right? That's fair. Every day's a new day. <laughs> it's All an right, adventure. Everyone. In case you do not know or you are wondering again where to find us, you can do so on Facebook by going over to facebook.com slash the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Come over and be our 754th like because we've got a great little community over there. You can also email us at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. You can come over and join our significantly less populated BGG Guild number 2077 or go to guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. That'll take you right there. We've got a lot of good conversation going on over there from our most dedicated fans, and we appreciate that. You can also tweet at us at League Nonsense. Dan runs the Twitter handle, so if you've ever wanted to talk to him about Jurassic Park theme songs, that is the place to do it. You can also use hashtag NonsensicalGamers on Instagram, check out our photos, or you can be like my new best friend, Mr. or Mrs. or Miss, I don't know, Sheep Baron. I can only assume they work on a farm. I've left us a review on iTunes and thinks that we have a top-notch gaming podcast. They could play Catan. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yes. Probably be better off farming, though, right? No, maybe. Yeah. All right, everyone. We have a great two-year anniversary show lined up. We've got a couple of different things that we're going to do. We're going to go over our top of the stack from August that Dan so lovingly gave me. We'll have a chat about that in a little bit. We are going to do some Keep Trade Burn style games. We got some listener submissions from a lot of lovely people on different things that we can do in that Keep Trade Burn vein. So I've got a couple of different things that I'm going to run my co-hosts through here. We have a lovely listener question from Todd, which is very particular to this episode. And then Tiff and I have planned a lovely segment for Dan. I'm calling it the Dan Clip Show Spectacular. Ooh, I like that. And I don't think Dan knew about this. So we will see that at the end of the show. But we will start the same way that we always start, by chatting a little bit about what we've been playing. Now, Dan and Tiff, we've done this for two years, so I will let you two civilly decide who would like to go first. Tiff. Oh, it's always me. Um, because you're a lady. What does that have to do with it? Because chivalry is not dead on this podcast, <laughs> okay? But chivalry is sexist, Dan. No, no it's not. I'm if okay with it. There was a puddle. It. 
If there was a puddle, I would put my jacket down for you. Oh, that's so sweet, Dan. Um, do that for me. <laughs> You're not a lady, Matt. Anyway. But I'm dainty. You are dainty. I had... I don't want my feet wet. Go ahead and talk about <laughs> what you've been playing. <laughs> I had, uh, like, a family game day. My um, father-in-law, I recently introduced him into some hobby games. You know, he comes over to the house, he sees the shelf of 500 or whatever games that I have, and he's like, what is this all about? So... We introduced him to some card games and things, and he actually invited us over for a full-on, you know, gaming spectacular, and I brought my family game best. Uh, but I also wanted to try out Codenames Pictures, so I just threw them into that without even ever doing Codenames with them. And uh, it was pretty fun. It, I mean, it feels like Codenames, but I think it is harder for me to do it visually, like, based on the picture, to come up with a word that's going to connect several of them. I'm super impressed by whoever did the artwork for it because to make these images that have all these multiple meanings, I feel like it would be it was a lot harder pr to produce than the word version. So what do the pictures entail? Like how detailed are they? I still haven't really seen much of Oh. Well, they're I mean they're plain, they're like black and white, but you know, it might be like something that looks like a fishbowl with a something coming at something weird coming out of it like just weird combinations that can be interpreted some different ways like a submarine slash blimp in a garage with a bench next you know what i mean like real yeah. surreal kind of things that so it's just harder to make those connections is it, is it for me like dick city or yeah um Mysteriumy, where you're trying to like make these abstract connections. It is like that. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's as hard as Mysterium tends to be for me. But you know, coming up with a word that connects all the pictures together, and maybe we just had like bad combinations of things where too many things would have related to a word. I just it took a while for me to get used to it. Whereas the word version, I'm usually pretty quick about. Like there was some serious analysis paralysis from everyone trying to make bigger connections with the pictures and we had way more one word or one picture rounds you know what i mean oh really so a lot of just kind of picking away at them yeah i mean i mean that the fun of the game is when you can do more than one just like code names but i i think just everybody had a harder time than i've ever seen with the word version so yeah. i don't know it's just it's you're using a different i think you're like using a different muscle <laughs> A different part of your brain or something. I mean, I guess technically you are if you think about, you know, visual interpretation, you know, interpreting visual information versus interpreting language and things like that. But anyway, we won't get into that. Dan, you also <laughs> picked up Codenames Pictures. Have you gotten to play it yet? Nope. No. I feel like I everyone feel like... picked it up, but no one played it. That's because yeah, Codenames is Codenames. Like, it's only going to come out now in certain instances for me. Like, I picked it up just to have it for my, you know, like when I get together with my college friends and stuff. Like, it's not something I'm putting in my game bag and going, yeah, let's play Codenames tonight, you know, unless it's like a, an instance, again, where I've got some more casual family or non-gamer folks. I'm not putting it in my bag when I come to play with Matt and Smee and stuff. Like, I'm putting a, <laughs> I'm putting a Euro in there. Right. I'd be curious well, be to see a good warm-up now. To try the, the Codename Pictures. Jeez, Dan, you bought it and you hate it. It has its purpose, but its purpose is not a routine game night. It's just not for me. Like, I'm tired of playing it as much, but I do feel that it has its place. But you haven't played don't make it, it new. right? No, I haven't played it. I haven't had an instance where I needed to But you to can't play be it. tired of playing something you haven't played. <laughs> I played, yeah, but I played code names. It's the same thing. It is not. It's just what, I just said that it doesn't feel the same. 
That's okay. All right. I'm not in a rush to play it. It's not a big deal. Tiff, what? I think we have... Tiff, you're wrong. Oh. I think is what Dan's trying to say. Got it. Okay. So... <laughs> no, no I am interested. Wrong? I mean, mine Chris... will probably live at Board Game Club. I probably wouldn't bring this out, like, right on the regular with my game group, but sometimes you just want to play a 20-minute game. I guess Dan doesn't, but every once in a while... I yeah, like but Dan I play Save the Cupcake. <laughs> also Save a good game. Amazing. No, I'm just saying, like... Codenames, it, it just got played out, so I just need to like. Uh, there'll be a time where I'm like, oh, let's play Codenames, but right now I'm not. I'm not in that mood unless I've got the audience that I feel it is appropriate for. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I guess if that's what I'm saying. I'd be curious to mix the two, like put some words and some pictures. Whoa. That'd be crazy. I don't know yeah. if that would work. So Chris in the chat said that they downsized the board, and I'm sorry if I missed that point, if you described that, Tiff, and I missed no, that No, I didn't, point. So no. they actually made the board smaller? Is that just because the the complexity of it? Like, it's harder? Wouldn't having more pictures give you more options to make connections? Like, why would they shrink it? I don't know. I mean, maybe they just... I mean, the cards are bigger, right? The picture cards are bigger than the word yeah. cards, so maybe they just didn't want it to be insanely big. And, I, I mean, there's... There's a lot of things that you can connect with words. I just think it seems easier to do it when I'm looking at this picture and trying to analyze all the different elements of a picture. It takes longer than thinking of all the different meanings of a word for me. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's just how my brain works. It. That's what I. That's that's my suggestion. Yes. Okay. All right. So Tiff's thoughts. Dan's thoughts, even though he hasn't played it, we're good. Dan, what else have you been playing? Uh, not too much. Yeah. I've been playing some things. Uh, one thing I didn't talk about last time that I figured I'd bring up uh, was Oceanos. I know a lot of people wanted to hear our thoughts on that, so I thought I'd bring that up. Uh, this is the new, well, will be the newest uh, Anton Bauza game, my boy. Um, this is about uh, deep sea diving to explore the depths of the ocean and gather animal specimens and treasures and things like that. Um, it's it's a, essentially a drafting game. Um, it's from Yellow, if I didn't mention that already. I apologize. Uh, the game is beautiful. Um, I want to say that up front. The, the production is insane, especially for a $39.99 game. Like, I'm not sure how they put that much cardboard at that price tag, but kudos to them, they did. And I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a solid price point for the production. Now, gameplay-wise... I think it's a bit overpriced. Um, this is, for me, this is a like a $20, $25 game masquerading in a $40 box. Um, the game, again, is a drafting game. And the, the twist on it is that one person each round, um, there's three rounds, five turns in each round. So each turn, there's a player that is the captain. And the captain deals out cards to every player according to the number of periscopes they have in their little submarines. Each player has their own personal submarine that you can customize. It gives you bonuses, etc. So you're just going to deal those out, and then each person is going to select um, one or more cards, depending on they have special abilities, and they're going to give the remaining cards to the captain. So the captain is then using that stack of cards to select from and place their card. And what you're doing is you're creating three rows. As I mentioned, there's three rounds, and each row, the way the cards line up, and the way they uh, that you arrange them, because you cannot change the arrangement, there's a slight bit of pressure luck to the drafting element, uh, because you know you want to line up certain cards in certain positions to kind of get. There's like a longest road kind of thing for the coral reef. There's um, these crystals that you need to line up before a pod to get an upgrade. Little things like that. When all said and done, I think it's a I think it's a good game. I was not 
blown away by it, sadly. Um, I was very excited to get this at Gen Con. This was the number one game I wanted going into the convention. It was limited quantity. They only had 50 a day, and I was very happy to get one. I, like I said, I think it's a good game. I, I think I said this uh, when I was on the Geek All-Stars recently, but it, for me, it firmly sits between Sushi Go and Seven Wonders. It's that next step up family game for drafting purposes, I think. So if you're tiring of Sushi Go, again, I haven't played Sushi Go Party, so if you're tiring of Sushi Go, you might just go play Sushi Go Party. I don't know. But I think this is a really good stopgap before you get to that Seven Wonders level of drafting, which is a little more involved and a little more uh, advanced. So I think it's good. I I think it'll probably sell like uh, like online for probably like 30 bucks. And I think that's a good price for it. As I mentioned, it's very well produced. Like it's, it's beautiful to look at. Everything fits. The submarine pieces all interlock and you up grade them you pull them out and interlock new ones um, the three rows have like different colors so it looks like they have they represent different depths of the ocean so it makes a nice little kind of panorama in front of you all in all i think it's good like i said if you're looking for that next step sushi go give it a try um, if you were expecting something a little more deep uh, i don't think this is the game for you except it's about submarines so if you're looking for that type of oh, depth he went there yes i did it's he brought it full circle yep yeah, I did. It's it's called wit. It sometimes comes into my favor. Um, so yeah, I, all in all, uh, it's a try before you buy for me. But I, I had no real issues with it. I just wasn't overly excited with it. I think. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just gonna say, like, it would be a good game for family game night kind of a situation. It's not overly complex, and it has the eye candy to draw kids into game night which is something that is definitely needed a lot of the time so i know i i watched it played i came along right after they started it so i almost watched the whole game get played i was sitting next to matt riddle shout outs uh so it looked it looked okay it looked playable and drafty and beautiful wow. at the same time playable yeah like, I could sit down and play it and be perfectly okay with it. Like, I wouldn't be complaining. Like, it would be, it's a game, it would be a good night. Yeah. You grab it off the demo shelf at your game store, or you play it when Dan brings it to game night. Like, I'm glad that I got to play it. It's fine. If I don't ever play it again, it's not going to hurt my feelings. I've got really good drafting games in my collection. We've got uh, the chats talking about Medieval Academy. I think Medieval Academy is way better in terms of interesting drafting and even sushi go party sounds like it's the better alternative to if you want more sushi go go play sushi go party because at least it's in the same line gives you more the game and this is kind of how i felt about sea of clouds another yellow title that was such a nice production but the gameplay just falls into that like light card game 25 buck like i expect this to be a smaller box production and i'd be happy with it the bits are nice but i interacted with my submarine like three times so i've got expensive four dollars worth of nice cardboard that i'm not even doing anything with really and it's a, it's a thoughtful production no doubt about it but the design is is mediocre like it's, it's just an average game and that's not a bad thing and somebody might really like it but i think that when this game is selling because of its aesthetic i don't think the gameplay is going to carry it through so. kind of like abyss right yep. ah, abyss is <laughs> get out of here get out of here tiff don't take over my live show, okay? All right, all right. With your negativity. It hurts my feelings. So, I got a game that Dan played that I know how he's going to respond to, and I got a game that Tiff played that I know how she's going to respond to. I don't know where to go with this. So, I'm going to talk about Dive Clank. right in. 
Ooh, Clank. I'm going to talk about Clank. So Steve and I got to play Clank recently because they had a demo copy on our game store shelf. This is a this is Renegade Games, correct? Yep. And it is a deck building game with a board component. And essentially, thematically, you're thieves trying to break into like a dungeon or a cave or something. There's a sleeping dragon with a whole bunch of treasure. You're trying to get in, steal some treasure, and get the heck out before you die. And it has a noise mechanism where in this game, instead of like getting trash or something like in a normal deck builder that fills your hand, your hand gets filled with cards that cause clank, which is noise. And whenever you cause clank, you add your token, your little cubes to the board. And at certain points when you steal a treasure or when a certain card comes up, the dragon's going to attack you. You dump all of the player's cubes that have collected into a bag and you draw out a certain number based on the damage that's being dealt. And whoever gets drawn, they take damage. So the noisier you are, the higher probability that you're going to take damage. And then outside of that, it's just a basic deck builder where you've got two kinds of currency. You can fight monsters, you can um, buy cards, and then you've got this movement, which lets you move across the board, which is just if I have like a footprint, I can move a space. And some spaces require more or less or different things. Super basic in terms of deck builder. I like deck builders with a board element. I think Steve and I came away really enjoying it. We played it in 30 minutes. We learned it and played it in about 45 you know, reading through the rulebook, so super short. I just don't see where this game carries me 10 plays from now. That's my big thing, is people were talking about it. I don't think it's overly innovative. I think it's creative, but everything that it's doing has been done. It's just putting it in a new combination. And I, like I said, I, I like it, and I'll play it, and if I go back to the game store, I'll like, pull it off the shelf and give it another play. But I don't know that I want to buy a game like this, just because I don't think it's got enough depth or interest in it i don't know so tiff your thoughts because i think we're on the same lines right yeah i mean i don't like deck builders in general so i'm always wary going into them i like the idea of having a board component along with deck building kind of like along dan's line where he likes it as an element of a game but doesn't want it to be the game i think he said that before anyway uh so i tried it and i did i was surprised that i didn't hate it because I, that's just how I feel about deck builders. I'm not great at deck building, so I think that's part of it, but I, it was fine. I went into the dungeon. I made, like, one bad decision that kind of hosed me. It made me feel like I didn't get to do anything. I went down one path, realized that I didn't have a key, and I needed to get a key to go through where I wanted to go, so I had to turn back. I got stuff, and I made it out of the dungeon, but I was like, oh, that's it. That's kind of how it felt. And I did okay. It's not like I sucked at the game or anything like that, and that's why I hated it. I think I came in second. It, it's fine. If you like deck builders, you probably like it more than I did. But Yeah, I like being able to interact, like I said, with a deck builder in a new way. I like trains where you're route building. Tyrants of the Underdark sounds interesting because it's got an area control thing, although I know that that game's a little hit or miss depending on who you talk to. Yeah. So I like that idea. I liked trains a lot, so... Yeah. And, and maybe it would be better. I didn't take a risky path. Maybe it would be more fun if I had just, like, gone all out and tried to get into the depths of the dungeon, and yeah. maybe that's more in the spirit of the game. But the way I played it, which was safe, was not fun. Well, and with a two-player game, it was interesting, because Steve and I did slightly different things. But essentially, what I did was I ran in and I grabbed a treasure pretty much instantly. Like, I, I just moved and moved directly towards a treasure. I bought a backpack as soon as I could. I picked up another treasure on the way out, and I made it out. I, I did almost die. I got pretty close to dying, but I had made it cross the halfway point, where as long as you make it past the halfway point, you at least get to score. I ended up made it, making it out of the dungeon, and then I sat there for five turns while Steve finished, because 
you don't play anymore once you're out of the dungeon. You just you become the time tracker. And five if five of your turns pass, then the other players die. So I just sat there and watched Steve run around, which was funny, and I poked fun at him and made stupid stories up. But like that's not what I wanted to be doing. Uh, you know, waiting five turns for Steve to to get his life together and get out of the dungeon. <laughs> So. See, I was the last one out of the dungeon. I got to play the longest. I'm like, I'm going to die. And yeah. for some reason in our game, my clank kept getting pulled out of the bag the most. Like, I, mm. I have two. I play with Patrick Hillier, and he had, like, a thousand clank in the bag. Like, all of his in the bag. And we're still pulling out, like, my two blue cubes. What the heck? Yeah. So yeah. it was, I don't know. It was interesting. I think I would sit down and play it again and give it another chance. But... It's okay. I would I would never buy it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I need it either, especially because I know there's a copy available at the at the store. Dan, you played Tired of the Underdark, so you've got some experience with board deck builders. You also played Trains, so did this like pique your interest at Gen Con, or is this kind of meh? Um, to be honest, I had never heard of it until I got to Gen Con, and uh, our buddy Kopak picked up a copy, and he was he, he liked it, and I said I would play it, but we just never got to arrange it. Um, I, I don't know. I liked that the box time was like under an hour because that's kind of where a deck builder needs to be for me to even consider it. I don't really care for deck builders, as Tiff mentioned. Um, but if it's got a board, you're, you're drawing me in a little bit more because I hate just straight up deck builders, which is a row of cards that bores me like no other. Yeah. Um, so... It, yeah, it looked okay. I, I liked the kind of pressure luck run through the dungeon aspect of it. I mean, at least the way it sounded. Um, I would I would play it if you guys sat there and played it, but I it doesn't need to be added to my collection. Yeah, yeah. we played Kopak's copy, and I believe he likes it quite a bit. So it is likable by people, just not us. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think you know. I've got trains on my shelf, right. and that's the thing. Like again, I'd play this game. I just don't need to buy it. But maybe I'm just being more picky these days. I'm definitely being more picky these days. So yeah. that might be part of it. Yeah. So Tiff, how do you feel? Do you feel up to talking about terraforming Mars or should we just let that sit? <laughs> I don't know. I Dan already talked about the gameplay. So if you want to mm. hear about how it actually works, go listen to episode 50. But uh, as far as my opinion on it, it's definitely one that you need to play more than once. I didn't particularly enjoy myself, but I think part of it is just that I was learning, and by the time I actually knew what I was trying to do, I was already, like, too far down one path kind of a situation, which happens on a first play. And I can see why people are liking it, because you do kind of, you know, you're building out this map of mars and you are terraforming it but it was a slow build and uh like at the end it, all these different things started sprouting up and greenery and cities and oceans and it was awesome but for most of the game we just had we had all built out the oceans and then kind of like a city or two and i don't know it just didn't it didn't happen the way i thought it was going to happen like mars did not get terraformed quickly and I guess it's happening over lots of years, and, and that's how it, like, it feels like terraforming a planet, which I guess is what you're going for. So it's thematic. And it has so many different cards. And, and I, did, I did have fun kind of picking my cards and doing all that, but I didn't have the best strategy because I didn't know what I was doing at first. <laughs> I gotcha. Yeah. All right. So Worth checking Dan out. sold his copy. Because it's expensive, like right, Dan? Moment, so. 70 bucks Ooh. retail. 
it's not the the components or anything it's not 70 bucks no it's just yeah i would pay 50 bucks for that game um yeah that's probably the most i would pay for it yeah i guess that's probably what it would retail at at csi yeah 50 45 i mean wait a little bit longer maybe 30 (laughs) yeah if you wait long enough it'll hit that daily (laughs) sale I, I like it. I mean, I would, I wouldn't mind it in my collection, but I just felt that I have so many other games that I'd rather play at this point that I haven't played. That I was happy to sell it to Jessica because I know she would get instant gratification out of it, and she really wanted it. So well, I'm happy. I mean, it's not a big deal. I'll, I'll get it eventually, probably. I think it's definitely one of those games for people who replay games, Matt. So you might want to <laughs> think about it, because. Well, we played, this is another one where it was the game day I had with Patrick and Copax and uh, Craig, and it was Patrick's copy, and he had played it several times and clearly had the experience and knew what he was doing and um, built all these amazing things. So I think it does definitely reward playing more than once to know what you're doing. So it's not for me, because that's not my style. One and done. I mean, that... (laughs) That said, too, I mean, it's so card draw dependent. It's ridiculous. Um, Now, a lot of the cards do similar things and tweak little things, but it's like 200 plus unique cards. And it's like if you're positioning yourself to go down one avenue and you don't, it's like Bruges. It's why I hate Bruges. Like if I position myself in Bruges to to get that red card and it triggers all my little buildings and everything, and then I spend four turns digging for a red card and I don't get it, then my game's over. And, and I had that a... too. I had one that was like a set collection thing. That was like, for as many cards as you get of this type, you get points. Yeah. And then I never saw those cards again after I played it out. Yeah. And the, the thing that's even like slightly more annoying than Bruges is that this is about an hour longer than Bruges. So it could just be that agony over and over for a longer period of time. I, I, I liked the mechanics. I liked the kind of the tableau building. But again, that, oh man, that, that card draw drove me absolute ape shit. <laughs> at one point in time it was crazy well chris in the chat says that it's only 46 bucks at csi so that's not you think that's too bad I think that's, that's reasonable for what yeah. it is and for how much yeah. replayability is in there that makes sense and patrick says it has good solo options which i know is not our big thing but no although it needs to be my big thing i need to go back to my solo roots so i actually play some heavier games I guess I'm hanging out with people, Tiff. Oh, these friends. It's Getting tough. I don't like well, it. <laughs> I played a solo game, and this is my chance to bring up Scythe quickly before we talk about these fuzzy meeples behind us. But uh, So, Dan, what do you think of Scythe? We have not talked about it. Dan has been reserving his judgment because he wanted to let me play Untainted. But I, I want to know. I've gotten a little bit about it. Like, no, What you did you first. really think? So we don't, we don't need to talk about what the game is. Everyone knows. Just like, what do you think? You go first. I will. I will respond. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So I played it four times in the last week. I played two two-player games, I played a four-player game, and I played a solo game against the Easy AI. I think, simply put, this game is my new Hyperborea. I think that it plays similarly. I mean, it's not a bag-building game, but in terms of deterministic combat, area control, kind of slow, Euro-y, but thematic feel, I like what it offers. I think that it, it's kind of like my 2016 Hyperborea. I'm enjoying exploring the different avenues. I have big concerns concerns about the mix of faction board and action board because 
I think that there's potential for problems, although I haven't gone through the permutations and seen who would have an advantage. I just feel like there's a potential that things could get weird. I also feel like this game could end up being procedural in that if you get, like, say if we were playing some kind of, not like tournament, but like a competitive play where four people know what they're doing, we get to, like, pick our factions and pick our board. I could come up with, like, a 10-step plan to pursue a strategy because you always start in the same spot on the board, and the game state is generally the same at the beginning. So that gives you the option to kind of move through the same motions. And I don't think the randomness on the player board is enough to disrupt that or vary that. That being said, I still really like the game. I don't I don't know what the hype was. I don't know what people were expecting, but it didn't disappoint me. I think that the, the production is top-notch. This is easily the best produced game of the year in terms of my full collector's edition. I don't think you can beat it. Uh, I think that the biggest issue, and Dan has pointed this out, and I brought this up when I talked to Craig over at Botch Games, was I do think that the miniatures are subpar, given the price point and given the fact that it made many millions of dollars. I think that the sculpts lack a detail that companies like Fantasy Flight and Cool Mini are putting out in their board games. Like, you play Rebellion or Forbidden Stars or Arcadia Quest. Like, miniatures can be done way better than than Stonemaier did in that game. You didn't like the uh, the bald ox? <laughs> I, or whatever that thing was. Everything's that has smooth no and lacks detail and definition. <laughs> There's an issue there, and not everybody agrees with me. I do think the game is still beautiful, and that doesn't change the gameplay, but that was a weak point in terms of production. But other than that, I think the gameplay's cool. I like it. I want to keep playing it. I want to mess around with it. But is this the end-all be-all? No, not at all. There's no way. This is the No Man's Sky of board games, you know? It's like it got overhyped and people were expecting too much but all this game is is move around collect some resources and score stars like that's all you do so go ahead dan okay um here's a summation of my thoughts it's it's pretty boring it is repetitive and lacks i don't know there's just something about it i just kind of fell asleep playing it like you only have the four action spaces to move back and forth with which is great and streamlined I just was bored. Um, let me take a step back. So what I did like about it, like Matt said, production, very nice. Um, I did have some issues with the visuals. I think the board is very hard to discern some of the symbols on it due to the, and that might be because we were playing on the regular size board. I don't know. Maybe that's more helpful in the big board. But once you start crowding because you put the resources on the space and you put the mechs on the space, and because the mechs can only move to certain spaces at certain points, and it's just you had to like you know spread the seas to like look at what was yeah. on the board, etc. And um, and even some of the symbols were just hard because like they got stuck in like a forest and like you couldn't read it. Like it was just like the way it was. But I thought, like you said, production was great. The little resources and all that stuff. The the miniatures are subpar. They, I was, I was just laughing at him because I was playing with the little, is it an ox or a buffalo or whatever it is, yeah. and it, it looked like a hairless cat. It was amazing. <laughs> not subpar overall, but I do think that if you're gonna put Stonemeyer in the top echelon of producer, uh, game producers, they're subpar compared to their competition as like a top tier, yeah, game, like it's pr- been, production company. It's been done, and it's been done twenty times better. And yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to say. But um, the game? that's no, okay. no, not well, the game too. Um, <laughs> um, so I like that. I, I did like the um, what they stole from Terra Mystica. I did like the kind of the faction board and how that kind of drove your efficiencies. Um, I'm not sure, as Matt said, how I feel about the pairing of the two different ones. What I've seen is like certain combinations can just be ridiculous. Like and 
you pair that with like your uh, like like a optimal starting spot, and you're like, okay, this guy. Like when I played, dude had like three mechs out by turn three, and I was like, uh, what am I just because of, he had like the he could take the same action twice, and he could do that. Like I I, I I thought the async could could be a bit problematic down the road, but again, I haven't played it enough to to opine on that. Um, with any sort of certainty i just kind of the feeling i got playing it and seeing other people and what they were doing i was like eh. um i did hate that they call this a 4x game because it's not it's like 2.25 like you do no exploration whatsoever nope you barely do any exterminating even though it's in there this is basically like cold war the board game it's like let's stare at each other and somebody maybe if they have a five card will come and attack you kind of thing, um, which I think I was a little bit disappointed in. I think I think overall, outside of just being a little bit bored with it, I thought it had a real identity crisis. Um, I didn't. I, I went into it going, "What is this? This miniatures and all these things." And it's like, but I'm not going to attack anyone, or I can attack someone, and then they penalize you for attacking people. Um, really badly, actually. It doesn't even the game doesn't even encourage it because it puts that huge penalty of losing popularity on there. And this game is about that popularity track. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I played a game where I had uh, my population was one, and I still finished second, which was pretty impressive. But what's up? So that's that's kind of crazy. I can't imagine that. I I did. I literally just built up my money i had like 45 dollars in my on my player board that's That's what that was my strategy because that's how i kind of got stuck in uh, with the characters i had and the boards i had um i thought it was and the other thing talking about like the 4x thing but i thought for as much hype as this game got about the art and the theme it had zero theme and had absolutely none the only theme is in those encounter cards and there's only going to be seven or eight of them every game i thought that was a nice aspect of the game but it just didn't happen enough i wanted to see more of those cards i thought that was something that was cool it really kind of broke the the monotony of your engine it was just like you know gave you those efficiencies with gathering resources and giving you the choices um i like that i wanted to see more of that um yeah i thought it was almost too sterile i thought they had play tested this to a point of sterility that made it as boring as it was for me so that, that those are just i have more thoughts on it i i don't like the way the popularity drives everything and one of my biggest things about the kind of the boring aspect of it was like i do all these things to make this really cool efficiency engine and then i get a star and that's it and you put the star on the board and that star depending on how well you've done in your popularity that star could be only worth two points and you just spent 45 minutes to an hour trying to get that star (laughs) you know what i mean it was just like uh, i just i wanted more i wanted something i wanted a bigger reward i wanted something more exciting out of it than just placing a star on the board like i i think that's i and that's that's something that they have in all their games and i think it's just i think it's kind of boring like i, I yeah yeah there's a lot of carryover which is interesting and i talked about this with steve and smee last night after we played there's carryover from euphoria and i know that like you don't like euphoria so i think that some of those elements that they carried where it has a similar kind of track system that drives the game it's got the star placement to to end game like there's carryover and i don't think for you they carried over the things that you wanted, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, overall, I say this game is like a, a six. I'd rather play this than Euphoria. I think oh, well, I'd rather do a lot of things in Euphoria, maybe wow. even commit seppuku. Um, <laughs> but I, I have no real desire to play it. I would like to play all the games that they stole from, not stole, but were influenced by, 
the Agricola, although I don't even see Agricola in this game. Uh, the Terra Mysticas, the Kemets. I'd rather play any of those than this, I think is what I'd ultimately say. Yeah, um, but there, it does offer a combination of some of those things. So it's got some of the resources, it's got some of the buildings. It's too much. They tried to do too much, and I think that's what I said, like, comes back to the whole identity crisis. I think they tried to put too many things from too many different games in this one, and it just, yeah. it didn't, while it worked, I just, from a, um, from a kind of a, an interesting standpoint, <laughs> like, it just didn't, it didn't make for an interesting game. Everything worked fine. The game is not broken, like, no way. Everything was smooth, efficient. I love the quick turns. Um, I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I just thought it was a little too sterile, and just, I, I was just bored. I think this game, and not to go into the hype discussion, but like when you consider how popular this game was for whatever reason, having limited, you know, most people that backed this did not play it. It had thousands and thousands of backers that didn't have any knowledge of how this game was going to work out. And a game like that, this game was destined to be divisive and to ultimately disappoint because much like many games that, and things that have come before it, it got too big for what it could ever possibly be. This game, there's no way this could have fulfilled what people wanted it to. I'd put it around like a 7-5. I think that I'm happy with it, but I also won like games and I'm less likely I mean I'm I feel like I am critical but I'm less likely to let that kind of ruin my my play also I didn't have an expectation I literally got the game and didn't know how it played I knew what it looked like but I didn't get how it was going to work so I just went in open-minded and it wasn't what I expected to some extent from what other people were saying but it didn't break me because I didn't care. Like, I wasn't looking for anything specific. But no, it's not Agricola. It's not as full as Terra Mystica. It's not as combat clean. You know, combat's not as clean as Kemet. Um, but it does offer, I think, an experience that's cool. And I'd wonder if this was just a run-of-the-mill game, from, or if this was, like, their first game. If this just kind of snuck out as a $50, $60 game, I think that this would... It would be held in more even esteem, I'd say, or in higher esteem by the people. Like, right now, it's either a 10 or a 0. Either it's, like, a lot of people are like, this is dumb, it disappoints, or this is perfect, it's everything I ever could have hoped for. And that's not fair. It's somewhere in the middle. You say a 6, I say a 7.5. But it's cool. I'm happy to play it. I'll keep going, and you're done with it. That's cool. I'm not done. I mean, I will play it again maybe one more time. Um, I don't... That's the thing, though. I think if you take away the hype, there's no way this game even is on anyone's radar. It just doesn't stand out enough gameplay-wise. I don't think it's that innovative. I, I don't think it's that intriguing. It okay. But I think... It, and again, I ask you this too. Take away that production, and, and I know it's not fair to say that because board games are half, you know, mostly production and gameplay. But like, if you take away the hype and you take away that production, this is a run-of-the-mill Euro that does nothing all that interesting. That's that's my that's my kind of feeling on it. I yeah, think if you I, take I'll... away production and marketing from most games, they're run-of-the-mill. Most games are run-of-the-mill. We've talked about this. <laughs> that's <laughs> like, what I said. But that's there's a I curve here. I bought this game for the production. It was the art. It was the art book. I bought the Art Connoisseurs Edition, the art book. It was That's what drew me in. It was like, I'm getting a game that's going to look amazing, and I'm fine with that. That's okay. But, but the, the funniest part is all that art is on the card deck and you see seven of them every game, and that's it. And then there's no other theme that connects those 
I've read the backstories of the factions. I've looked through the art book. There's you get twelve of the encounter cards. There's <laughs> art on other things. You know, I'm just saying, like it's it's it is engrossing to some extent. It does it build a story? Do you feel like you're connected to your character? I I don't know, but it feels in kind of a macro level like you are a part of the world. So I think that it's fair. I think what it does is fair thematically. But no, it's uh, not. But it's not an Ameritrash game. It's a Euro game. Yeah. So that's where it falls down. But you're part of the same world, game after game yeah. after and game. That, well. That's <laughs> Every game you ever play, you're part of the same world. How no, many times start, can you terraform Mars? I mean, really. Start in the same spot. So, <laughs> all right. Let's move along. We've got lots of stuff to cover. Dan, you were kind of the point man here. And unfortunately, you don't have yours with you. But uh, Top Shelf Fun reached out to us, and we were sent these lovely fuzzy meeples, right? Yes, the meepelos. Meepelos. Hard to it's over there. You know why mine's not here, though? And it's the biggest compliment of all, though. It's in my son's bed. He that's wanted awesome. to sleep with it last Aww. night, and I couldn't take mm-hmm. it from him. So that's why mine's not with me today. He loves it. He loves his little, he calls it the, the meeple green pillow. <laughs> The meeple green pillow. <laughs> yeah, so Dan's got a green one. I've got a yellow one. Tiff has a blue one. They actually come in... Well, first of all, we covered this on Kickstarter as a Kickstarter spotlight. That... We did, when they had uh, meeple packages between yeah. the legs. <laughs> <laughs> they had rounded off meeple things. Um, but yeah, so we were... we were, You know, Me we were penises. sending to check out and, and talk about <laughs> They had me penises. Oh, man. Uh, so, you know, just to comment on kind of the production and things, I think that these are actually really great, and they're kind of everything I wanted when I... Because we talked about how all of us wanted one when we saw the, the thing. It was just like, do we want to pay for it? Do we, you know, will we get them shipped in time? Things like that. There were concerns there about backing such a novel product because it's kind of weird. But it's totally great. I love this pillow. It's soft. It's comfortable. It's well made. Really it doesn't have protruding genitalia or anything like that. She's like, always I a think... plus for any product. <laughs> it comes in so many colors. They've got orange. They've got black and purple. Yellow, blue, green, red. They got. It's everything you ever wanted from a pillow shaped like a meeple. <laughs> I think it exceeded my expectations. I keep it down in my game room, so when I get uncomfortable in my seat, I just put it back there, nuzzle in. Yeah, or if you get like, like when I get sad and I'm, or like a game is really tense, I'll curl up with it. <laughs> you need to comfort yourself with it. <laughs> yeah, it helps me self self soothe. <laughs> totally super soft, well produced. I'm thinking about grabbing another one for a potential contest for our lovely listeners Whoa. because I think that it's an awesome gift. Also, there might be some people getting them for Christmas. Who knows? They might get a game night. Back stuffed with a meepolo so we'll have to see about that but i think these are totally cool and now that i see them if you have the disposable income or you're getting someone a gift i think like the 25 bucks they run is totally worth it it's a novelty and it's excessive but it's totally (laughs) sweet I love being excessive. It's so good. Yeah. If you need to yeah. decorate, if you're decorating your yeah. board game room, get four of them. It'll be awesome. Yeah, put one in or each if you care. Yeah. If you really like Carcassonne, you buy like eight of them, <laughs> and you can play Carcassonne with them. Or if you play solo games, just sit them around that table like a tea party, and it's like you're playing with other people. You know. <laughs> Talk to them. Yeah, you can. I guess you could draw faces on them. Give them voices. Yeah. Sometimes when I do the solo newscast, sometimes I actually put Tiff's face on my meepillow. Oh, that's a little creepy. And then we, we don't, we don't. (laughs) Do you think they'll eventually make a meepillow that like says something? Like you squeeze it and it's like you win. Take your damn turn faster. That's what mine would say. (laughs) (laughs) That's what Uh, Tiff would say for sure. Thanks, what Dan. Steve and I want to create <laughs> is a smeepolo that has a beard, <laughs> purple, 
and like cat ears. Yeah, maybe some cat ears or something. I feel like there's opportunities here that we need to tap into. We also realized last night that you can just put an S on the front of Meeple and it becomes Smeeple. And I don't know how we never tapped this market before. (laughs) The Smee market? Customized gifts. But anywho, so that is our that's our our plug for Top Shelf Fun. They have a Canadian retailer and distributor. They also have a U.S. Um, they're super great, but their colors sell out quick. So if you see the color come in stock, you gotta buy it quick. Because I was sitting on trying to grab an orange one, and the orange ones go so fast. It just, I can't get a hold of one. So and yeah, so totally cool. Thank you all for sending them Top Shelf Fun. We appreciate yeah. them, and uh, it's always nice to decorate the live feeds with our fuzzy pillows and apparently Dan's nursery. So that's cool. <laughs> Yep, my two-year-old that's how not you, let go of it. That's how you brainwash your kid into becoming a gamer. It is a little, in, like, indoctrinating. I like it. It's like, oh, look at this baby photo. Wait, am I holding a meeple? I mean, that's how you, that's why you have children, right? To create well, future gaming if you look at Dan's partners. Instagram, he's like, oh, I just bought new board games so that my son can learn colors. This is why I buy heavy euros. It's <laughs> a perfect uh, excuse, really. But no, seriously. How else Tristan... is he going to learn his colors? He sorts my meeples for me. It's awesome. Like, he's really into it, and he likes to sort, like, the shapes when we punch the, the tokens and stuff. He's really good at it. And we count, like, when we're doing it. It's it's actually a really good exercise, and I enjoy it, too, because I get my, my sorting in. Because you like to practice your counting, too. I do. But I'm, like, running out of unopened games. I'm, like, I've only got, like, five left or something. I need to, like, he keeps asking me every night to poke a game. He's like, can we poke game, Papa? Poke. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. I think I got a few. I can send your way. It's but... okay. He's he's got a couple hobble ones coming. He doesn't know. Uh-huh. What's funny is he's good at it. Yeah. He, he knows. Is. Like I've seen some aggressive punchers out there, and he's he's got two year old finesse. He does because <laughs> I I tell him to be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's move along to our next segment. We've been chatting way too long. We did top of the stack. Well, Dan and Tiff did top of the stack, <laughs> and I got shafted. That's what you get for being on your honeymoon with your but lovely wife. But over on the BGG Guild, <laughs> number two zero. Seven seven. Uh, a couple of our, our good friends and listeners posted. Uh, Lucas Brooks did his first ever Top of the Stack. He wasn't sure what it was, and he actually asked. And, you know, Top of the Stack can be whatever you want to play. It doesn't have to be new games or old games or this or that. So he posted his Top of the Stack as Venetia, Fields of Arl, and Lewis and Clark. Sounds like something Dan can get behind. Everything Todd, but Venetia. Well, yeah. Todd, I think Todd doesn't play anything but the Canizia auction trio because his three top of the stack was raw, modern art, and Medici again. I feel like that's all that guy does. He's just straight, he just auctions all day, every yeah, day. He just, I, I wonder if he works at he an auction house. He just carries a gavel. What? <laughs> Oh, look, he came back and the, Matt did top of the shaft. That's funny. Get out of there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> top of the shaft. And uh, uh, Patrick Hillier, family podcast. our good buddy Patrick, uh, had the same top of the stack as Tiff, which is my transition into, Tiff, what was your, your August top of the stack and how did it go? Uh, I did all of them. Complete. Wow. Bam. It was Agility, Star Trek Panic, and Codenames Pictures. Yeah, and we've I think we've talked about all of them, too. Yep. So, good for you. Yeah, look at me. Now, my, my concern is that you don't have anything in the show notes about what your September is. I just want it to be a surprise. Oh, all right. Well, go <laughs> ahead and surprise us. Picked up a copy of, oh gosh, I'm going to mess up the title, Escape from the Aliens from Outer Space. Oh, what a good pickup. <laughs> we'll see. Dude, we can play that over Skype. Yeah, I would do that. We always say that we're going to do stuff like that, and then we never yeah, but do. Even Dan could play that with us. But would Dan play it? I don't know. He oh. might. Anyway, I have it, <laughs> and I'm, I've am learned the rules already, so 
I can't wait to play it. And I have Pandemic Cthulhu Realms that I picked up at Gen Con that I really want to get played. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, like, the top, top of the stack for me. And finally, in an effort to replay games, I'm putting on La Isla. What? I haven't played it in a while, and I miss it because it's my fave. I went, for the clip show, I went deep diving, and I came across the first La Isla episode. (laughs) The first of many. (laughs) So many. (laughs) And here we are again. Things come full circle. I'm just going to add that to my top of the stack every month now. Just forever play La Isla. Well, I just want to put in one... I want to try to put in one game a month of something that I've played already or occasionally do that because I I have all these great games and I don't replay them and I need to try a little harder. It's amazing playing a game when you're prepared. Right. We play, when we played Scythe last night, Steve had watched, Steve and Smee watched the Watch It Played, Kel and I had played. We literally sat down, I did a quick refresher for like 5-10 minutes, banged it out in 90 minutes. Awesome. It was so nice to like sit down and play a game and know what was happening immediately. That's so. never going to happen with my game group, but I can appreciate why it might be fun. <laughs> just just send everyone those Rodney videos. No one will watch them. And if there's no La Isla one, you need to make it yourself. No. Nope. Welcome to Watch Tiff Play It. I don't think so. No. Okay. I have enough going on. <laughs> All right. So Dan very lovingly gave me my top of the stack. Uh, we share the same top of the stack, which was Helvetia, Arkwright, and New Bedford. And then Dan threw Save the Cupcake on there for himself. So, Dan, how did you do? Uh, two of the four. What else I did you got in New Bedford. Ah, okay. I got in New Bedford and Save the Cupcake, game of the Gen Con. Yeah, um, I, you you screwed me over, man. How are we going to play this Arkwright? I'm ready to play Arkwright, but you'd rather go play Turds like Sight. Well, did you bring it? Do you have it with you? I'm kidding. I do have it with me. All right, let's, we're gonna we're gonna move so many pawns today. I can't wait to set the price of my food. <laughs> um, yeah, so I did two of the four, which is is not bad. Like Arkwright was a bit ambitious, only because it's a bear of a game to both learn and play. Even like it has the three modes and the one mode. I mean, even the intro mode takes like two two hours plus. So. That's one of those ones where it's like, oh, we need the right like group in the right time. Um, Helvetia is a little easier. I think that one's ready to go as well. Um, uh, so for this month, I'm I'm sticking to it. I'm sticking with Helvetia or Helvetia. I'm not sure how which one it is. Um, Arkwright, and then I'm I switched in um, a game I talked about again on the Geek All Stars, and I I watched uh, demo played at um, Gen Con, but it wasn't for sale. Um, this is called Suspicion. Uh, this is a Target exclusive, kind of like a... It looks like a mix of Clue and... Uh, what's that old Kramer game? It's called like Top Secret Spies, the US version or something like that, where you're trying to like deduce who other people are, but you have to like move different uh, guys based on the die roll and their special yeah, I powers. I think that's called Clue. No, it's, it's this one where... I can't think of the name, where it's like they go around, the little spies go around in a circle, and you're trying not to reveal who you are. It's kind of like uh, In the Name of the Rose in a way, yeah. um, but a little simplistic. Um, so, yeah, I really want to play that. I think that's going to be a good family game. It plays two to six players, and I love deduction games, so booyah. And I got it on sale for 15 bucks. So All right, that's cool. That's totally cool. So I didn't play any of those games because I don't own them, and 
Dan wasn't around. But we'll we'll try to crank him out. I'm totally down for Arc, right? The suspicion sounds cool. Like, I will literally play anything, but I went ahead, since I'm in control of my own top of the stack again, decided to set games that are in my possession. So, Runebound, uh, third edition I still have. I really want to play it. It was actually the game night, uh, the Tuesday board game night at the game shop, but I missed out on it. Uh, one, because I didn't know it was happening, and two, because Steve and I played a whole bunch of games, so it totally worked out. Uh, but I was like, oh man, I really want to play Runebound. And now Smee knows how to play it, and he said it wasn't awful so maybe I can get a couple people to play. Uh, Grifters just came out, and this was from Indie Boards and Cards. It's like a hand management game. It had a really cool cooldown mechanism, uh, so I, I want to try that out. should be easy. And then I have a whole bunch of Versus System cards, and I recently got the Alien expansion and started playing that, and that sucked me back into Versus because it's so easy. Play it in like 20 minutes. I don't have to build decks. They come with a pre-made deck. I get to play with all my superheroes and my aliens and space marines and things like that. So, uh, versus system, just get a couple games of that in. So, we'll see. And I'll also play Arkwright with Dan, but I'm not putting that on my top of the stack. Don't hold me to it. I'm not doing that. So, Tiffany B., hmm. do you happen to have any bumper music primed? I do. Here we go. Hit me with a bumper. So we are back, and we are going to jump into our Keep Trade Burn and other assorted games segment. And before I touch on that, apparently Patrick Hillier, over in the chat, our good buddy, played uh, Arkwright. He played the waterboarding mode, though. So I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you need to be careful that you don't get sucked into a game of the waterboarding mode, because that is not actually in the rule book. you got to be careful. So, yeah, that's like he Desert that Storm alone. stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, so we're glad that you're safe and sound and made it to the live show, Patrick, because uh, Friday night waterboarding does not sound fun. I have a couple of Keep Trade Burns. I've got a new thing called Reskin Reprint Retire, which is given to us by our lovely listeners. And then uh, Dan Licata said Day Month Year. So I've got three games for you guys that I've prepared, and we will see how you guys do. We're going to burn through these. I'm going to give you three games, Dan. This is classic Keep Trade Burn, and you're going to tell me which one you want to keep forever and love, which one you want to trade away and give to someone else and never own yourself, and which one you are going to burn forever in eternal fire. And I'm going to kick it off in a way that our good buddy Todd would appreciate. Knizia's auction trio, Dan. Modern Art, Medici, and Ra. Which one would you keep trade and burn? Um, Keep Ra, trade... Medici, Burn, Modern Art. Bam. Didn't even hesitate. No. They're not my favorites, so it wasn't that hard. All right. That's I like them. But... I'd Burn, Modern Art, too. It's one of my least favorite games in the history of the world. Wow. That is strong. <laughs> that is strong. <laughs> well, Tiff, your turn. Oh, boy. You get the Carcassonne spinoffs. Hunters and Gatherers, Gold Rush, and the unreleased Amazonas. Oh. You, you love special I do. Carcassonne. It's like a weird thing, but I do. All the spinoffs. Um, hmm. Hunters and Gathers, Gold Rush, and Amazonas. I will keep Hunters and Gatherers. No, Gold Rush. No, I'll keep Gold Rush. I'll trade Hunters and Gatherers, and I'll burn Amazonas. You haven't even played it. No I one know. has played it yet, Tiff, and you're yeah. burning them all. Out of sight, out of mind. See, I was afraid that you would take the easy route, but I thought maybe you'd be too excited to try out hanging out in the jungle with your Smeepolos. The thing is, is Hunters and Gatherers really has like a soft spot in my heart. It was one of the first Carcassones I ever played past that base game. 
and uh, I associate it with one of my long-lost gaming buddies, and I just can't burn it. I thought about it for a moment, and I'm really into Gold Rush, because it's just so weird and different from Carcassonne, and it's Wild West and all that stuff, so I don't know. It, it Amazonas might not be good. It could be a terror. It could be like I know that Hunters and Gatherers is excellent, and I know that I enjoy Gold Rush. So it's untapped potential, though. Yeah, potential is meaningless to me. <laughs> Sorry. I do not care. Okay. All right, Dan, you're up. Key Trade Burn. Your pricey Euroy land game collection. Your food chain magnate. Your arc rate. And I know you've played this. Your Liberty or Death: The American Insurrection. Um. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep Arkwright. That's a win. I'm going to keep Arkwright. I'm going to trade Liberty or Death, and I'm going to burn Food Chain Magnet. Why though? Why? Yeah. Because I said so. Well, I mean that's true. You haven't even, you haven't played it yet though, right? Food Chain Magnet. Yeah. No, I haven't. But that's I mean. I as haven't good heard as everyone great says it is. I've heard it's great. Um, but I've heard. I've heard it's unforgiving. Yeah, which is fine. Those are, those games are fine. But I'm not sure the whole group would like that as far as getting that to the table. Um, and you know I've lasted this long without playing it, so it's not really it's tugging on my heartstrings. I'm t- I haven't played Arkwright either, so I mean, this is like I want to keep Arkwright because I think it has the most potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like Liberty or Death, and I love the American Revolution. That's like one of my favorite themes. Yeah. So mm, I might keep that one instead. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'll still trade that one. Yeah. I Burn. watched this Shut Up and Sit Down review of Food Chain Magnate, and I've never wanted to play it more. It sounds so cool. Yeah, I've got. I, I want to play it. I've got. I've even got the the BGG dry erase boards and little stands to hold the cards, kind of thing, because it's. A, it's a real table hog if you don't organize them correctly. Yeah. So, no, I want to play it, and I I like splatter games, and I, I've got Great Zimbabwe and Indonesia on the way at some point this year. Nice. So There's others to fill the void. Okay. So, before we move on, Todd says, hey, keep all three Canizia games, trade and burn your two friends. So, <laughs> So, Dan, the question is, would you trade me or tip? Ugh. Ouch. I don't That's like that. One. And then burn one? I don't do that. That's, like, this isn't witch. It's very this medieval. Like, you don't burn people? That's good to know, Dan. <laughs> Dan takes McCarthy. a hard stance against burning people. Against burning people alive. Okay. No, that's just, yeah. Oh. That took a dark <laughs> turn. It's got to be one of the worst ways to go out. Like, ugh, ugh. drowning, drowning. Oh my god. Mm, okay. That's quicker. Yeah. Let's not. Let's let's pick this back up, Tiff. Hey, Tiff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have to. We just have to do this with every keep trade burn. I need to keep you honest. We need to revisit your top ranked games. Okay. So, Pandemic, Stone Age, Defenders of the Realm. Oh, I hate that. I feel like I've done this one before. Yeah, we make you do this a lot. <laughs> And my answer probably changes every time is the scary thing. Um, okay. I might have a new answer to this. Yeah, that's what I'm interested. Okay. Well, oh, that's hard. So I think I'm going to burn Defenders of the Realm. Yeah. Wow. This <laughs> sorry, is Sorry, Richard. I'm sorry. Well, well painted miniatures. It's all I right, have too. Defenders of the Last Stand now. Wait a second. So I... Did you hear Richard? Uh-oh. Hmm. I, didn't. No, I don't think he's. I don't he's think he's here. here. Oh man, I thought I, I could have sworn I Richard heard. Richard doesn't make appearances on live shows. Oh, he's <laughs> too shy. <laughs> yeah, Richard Lonnie is just super shy, y'all. Anyway, so yeah, I Defenders of the Last Stand. Everything I've heard about it is it took Defenders of the Realm and made it better. So 
We're definitely, we're going to burn that one. I'll trade Pandemic and I'll keep Stone Age because it's still top notch for me. And you have a new Pandemic. Yeah, I have new. What if it includes all Pandemics? That's still fine. Okay, fair enough. I can live without Pandemics at this point in my life, but Stone Age, I just, I can't let it go. So near and dear to my heart. Your smelly cup. My my smelly cup. (laughs) My love hut. I need it. And your love hut. All right. We're going to round out Keep Trade Burn Classic Edition with Dan, his new favorite designer. It's the Alexander Pfister Collection, Mombasa, Isle of Sky, and his unreleased Great Western Trail. Why oh, do we keep doing these unreleased ones? I can't I, I can't judge those. They, because it's I like want automatic... so easy to burn them because you just they, don't yeah, know. They automatically go to the burn pile for me because I haven't played them. Yeah, but you, you Dan, just you more look out and you taker. think about a new game from your dude. Yeah, but when you put it up against those other two, and I you mean, say Kennerspiel de Jaris and the other one that could have won Kennerspiel de Jaris, it's like, hmm. You don't think he can do it again? I didn't say I don't think he could do it again, but I don't know if he did it again. I gotta burn yeah, that one. I gotta burn that one. As much as I love it, I've already pre-ordered it. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna keep... Hmm, damn, I love those other two. Hmm, I'm gonna keep... Uh, I'm going to keep Isle of Sky and trade Mombasa. Really? Wow. I love... You guys like Isle of Sky way too much. I love Isle of Sky. I agree. I'm surprised you didn't keep Mombasa, but good on ya. I love Mombasa. I do. I do. But I see see Isle of Sky hitting the table. I I don't know. I love that game. It's got tiling. It's got that amazing little auction setup system. It's just good. All right. Tiffany B., you're going to try something new for me, okay? Oh, boy. We're going to play Reskin, Reprint, Retire. Mm-hmm. This is three games. One game needs to be reskinned. Get a new coat of paint, get some upgrades, get fixed up, and get put out there. The next game, one game has to be reprinted as is. Life is good. This game is a classic. It goes back out. And the next game gets retired. Gone to the Disney vault forever. <laughs> until it's re-released as like a silver platinum edition something. So you've got classic card games. Six Nymph, No Thanks, and For Sale. Um, hmm. Well, okay. Reprint. Reprint. Okay. Reprint. I just <laughs> went Southern for a minute. Um, okay. Reprint. Reskin. Retire. Oh, that is hard. So there's No Thanks, For Sale. And what was the other one? Six Nymph? Yep. Hmm. Okay. I would definitely reskin for sale because I love that game, but I can't get my board game club kids into it because real estate is not, even with the cute art, appealing to teenagers. So, so you play Eggs and Empires. Yeah, I need to get that one out. Um, okay, so there's that. Reprint as is, I think... Oh. No thanks and six nymph. I think reprint. No thanks. It's just a classic, and I—that's one I like to carry around with me at all times. You can play it anytime. Uh, and then six nymph, I can live without because I feel like there are a lot of games that are six nymphy in my collection. Yeah. Like I have a few of them that work almost exactly the same way with like a little twist. Like there's the donut one. Baker's Dozen, and it has donut-shaped cards, and it's just, it's six nymphy enough, so <laughs> so I can live without it. Retire that six nymph. All right. Get those bull so cards out of here. Yeah. All right. Dan, we know how much you love deck building. Burn them all. <laughs> all right. Next. It's not bad. Oh. Which is funny. This one's a little weird because they're almost kind of reskins of each other. Dominion Ascension Thunderstone. Reskin, reprint, retire. Burn. (laughs) Burn them all. All right, Tiff, back to you. Okay. These are top series. 
Catan, Ticket to Ride, and Seven Wonders. Okay. Man, I didn't get a good one like that. Damn. That's a, well, you can do this one too you after I two, answer. Dan. Go ahead. Um. Okay. Reprint. Receive. You got to burn all the deck builders. God, it felt so good. I think I would retire Catan. Um, I know that seems like weirdly counterintuitive because it's everybody's gateway game, but it wasn't the game that got me into gaming. In fact, it almost discouraged me from gaming. I can appreciate it now, but the first time I played it, I just hated it. So we'll retire that one. We'll reskin Seven Wonders. I think that could do with a different look. I'm not 100% into the theming on it yeah and uh seven wonders yeah sorry dan you know how i feel about seven wonders i know it's like on your top so good list but it's an okay game it's my group has a hard time retaining the rules from play to play and the theme is okay um and then you know ticket to ride is you can keep that as is it's perfect the way it is dan any opinions on Catan, ticket to ride and seven wonders um you can burn two of them um, burn is not an option. I'm not sure game. if you understand the rules of well, this don't, one. Don't get me off on this burning hiatus, and then let, just let me roll with it. Um, you can burn one, you can waterboard one, and you can reprint one. <laughs> too soon. Um, yeah, I would. I mean, how do you reskin a train game other than making it spaceships or something? Uh, I'd play Ticket to the Moon. Yeah, Catan could. Katan could go away. I wouldn't. I, that's had its day in the sun. Steve it's, hasn't played it yet, though. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. Um, Seven Wonders, as long as the game doesn't go away, I don't care what you do with it, because the game's excellent. So it could be either of those. And then, you know, Ticket to Ride, I don't know what you retheme that as. They've already done boats, they've done trains. What else? Like, what do you do? That's why you're not a designer, Dan. I don't know. Yet. There's snakes? Snakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's. I'd like to see that the snake version. All right, done. I'm we are going to re-skin Ticket to Ride as snakes. Ticket to Slither. Sh- and then it'll shed its own skin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm trying All to think right. of windy things that <laughs> go. You're you're done, Dan. <laughs> Tiff, we got one Seven more wonder. game. We're going to play quickly before moving on. It's called Day Month Year. Okay. Okay. You got to play one game every day. All right. You got to play one game every month. You got to play one game every year. I like these variants. It's the Game Club Time Loop, I'm calling it. Okay. I have a new variant, too, but I'm not going to do it this show. King of Tokyo, Dino Race, and Rampage. Day, month, year. So... See, I think this one's actually even harder than Keep Trade Burn, because if you give me, like, some crappy games and I have to play them, like, oh, that just pains me. Oh, Dan, you'll have your turn. <laughs> just wait. All right. So, I think... Oh, that's hard. So, it's Dino Race... And King of burn. Tokyo, and what was the <laughs> other one? You can't burn things. Stop it, Dan. You're ruining this. Rampage. Oh, rampage. Okay. Okay. Once a year for Dino Race, I think. Yeah. And once a month for Rampage. Okay. And once a week for King of Tokyo, because I. Oh no, it's day. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's day. Daily. Once a day, I could do that. You're playing King of Tokyo every day. Hey, life. new monster t- packs. I, I've got options. Uh, I'd rather play Rampage every day because at least you're flicking stuff. Oh, right. but that's set up every day? That'd be a pain in the butt. That's true. That's a good point. I don't want to do that every day. All right, Dan. You ready? Oh, God. It's your one. <laughs> These games are all going to suck. It's your one I and only. It rounds out the segment for our lovely viewers and listeners. It's the Stonemeyer Games Edition. Yes. Oh, my God. 
God. Day, month, year, I side euphoria between two cities. Oh. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Well, I know my answer ah, to this one. Ah, ah. Man, these are... Oh, God. Um, also, Steve sad. is calling his variant Ticket to Snakes. So, sad. Oh, you should know. Slytherin Snakes. Um, <laughs> side Euterdia. And what was the other one? Euterdia. That's a new one. What's the other one again? Between two cities. Okay. Between two cities is between two horrible games. Um, I'd be looking at length on this one. That's what I'm saying. I think daily I'm going between two cities. I could get that done over coffee if I drank coffee. Um, over I'd tea. Have to start drinking coffee <laughs> if I have to play this game every day. An Irish um, coffee, maybe. Scythe, I would play. What is the other one? Monthly? Yep. Yeah, I'd play that monthly. And then Euphoria, I'd burn. <laughs> Again. Once a year, you'd engage in dice placement with block, uh, no blocking. I love the way they don't put. They don't give me viticulture, which is the best of all of those. <laughs> well, yeah. Why would I give you that? Hey, hey, hey. I'm yeah. sorry. Guys. It's That's no fun answer. if it's easy. That's, That's why we're here. That's fine. I could I could play Euphoria once a year because there was this invention not too long ago. It's called beer, <laughs> and I could just drink lots of that, and you'd be good to go. Yep. All right, Tiff. Mm. Hit me with the bumper music and let's round this out. Oh, bumper music, right? Got it. <laughs> All right, we are back with a little bit more of our two-year spectacular extravaganza anniversary wonderful show. I think I got that all in the right order. We've got a listener question that pertains to our tenure with the podcast, or at least I modified it a little bit. So thank you to Todd, our one and only. How have your board gaming tastes changed since the beginning of the podcast? Now, Dan, I'm just letting you know, I got a whole clip special that's coming after this about you saying things about games, so be careful. If you're like, I always love heavy euros, I might have a clip where you're like, man, Euphoria is the best game ever. So <laughs> He definitely doesn't have that clip. Be careful. So yeah, Tiff or Dan, go ahead and start. How have your board games tastes changed over the last two years well i think with my board game club antics that i mean that started about two years ago i'm definitely going more towards filler light games i was more into euros i was playing a lot more euros when we started the podcast i was just coming out of like an ameritrash phase when we started i was like just then getting over it so yeah, I've, I've gone to shorter, lighter games. Time constraints have caused that. I have the board game club once a week, so I pretty much have to play shorter games there because it's only an hour. So I think that's the main change. I wasn't always playing nonstop King of Tokyo. <laughs> But now you are. You signed up for it. So. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I do the Blender videos, so those are on what I'm doing for my board game club. So I'm, I'm making sure that I'm playing those types of games so I have material for that. And uh, so it's influenced my gameplay. Like, the media I'm creating is influencing my gameplay uh, more than my, like, necessarily my personal taste is. Yeah. Do you feel like your taste, so I know that you're you're playing for different reasons, but do you feel like your taste has shifted where you've moved out of, I don't know if it's phases or just like long-standing times of preferences? Like, do you think that your taste has actually shifted towards something new or you just have experienced more? I mean, I've experienced more for sure. I, I mean, I've had phases. I definitely did when I first started playing games. I was... What everybody can perceives as your taste right now is 
how my taste was when I started gaming, like combat-driven games, Ameritrashy-type games, and I definitely am not into that anymore. Um, I just don't have the game group that's interested in it, and I discovered Eurogames and found that I like that a little bit better. I think... I th- I think Jason Kotarski influenced me a little bit. I started mm-hmm. listening to that uh, his podcast, and it made me realize, like, you know, filler games are good too. In a lot of ways, I think of Euro games as like smart people play these. It's a little bit of a status symbol to be yeah. a Euro player, and I like to consider myself a Euro player, um, and I, I still do enjoy Euro games, but. Um, I've let go a little bit and realized that I'd rather play any game, even if it's shorter, and have fun with my friends than no games. And and that happens a lot if you're if you're busy people and you're only trying to play two to three hour games. That's fair. Well, here I'll throw you a quick question before I kick it over to Dan. If you had unlimited time and money, like what style of games would you indulge in? Probably more euros. I mean, that's for yeah. sure. I I like sandwiching them, right? Like I like starting off game night with something goofy and silly, dexterity based, or you know, social based, and then moving into something a little heavier, and then finishing up with a filler. So. I don't know. I like a sandwich-style game night if I can manage it. That's fair. That's fair. Dan, two years ago, we were trying to get this show off the ground, and we were reviewing games like Machi Koro and One Night Ultimate Werewolf and playing all kinds of weird stuff. Where where were you then? Where are you now? Burn Machi Koro. Agree. Yeah. Agree. I've got um, a clip. Well, we'll get there. You oh, go no. Ahead, buddy. We'll go. We'll get there. Yeah. It was cool the first time, and then it was yep. like, nope. I was in love um, with that game the first time I played it. Yeah. No, so two and a half years ago, I had a child. Well, I witnessed the birth of a child. That was mine. I didn't have the child. So I'd say mostly my gaming has changed as far as just timing. I don't have time to play a lot of games anymore. Um, I do play a significant amount of games. I think for having a child so young as I do, I think uh, it's just a testament to how awesome my wife is. And um, I have a family that's game-oriented, which is cool. But as far as tastes, I don't know. I think my tastes have always leaned more Euro. I think I've kind of stayed pretty constant with that. I don't mind. I think I'm a little more open now to trying other games, but it's all opportunity costs right now. You know, if I got four hours a week to play, I don't want to play five fillers. I want to play one meaty Euro game. Like, that's what I want. I want... Uh, I'm looking for more of a kind of a, a cerebral getaway in my board games. That's not. I, I don't agree that euros are a status symbol. I don't agree with Tiff on that. I just think that. I think some people perceive them that way. That's all I, I'm saying. Perceive that way. Yeah. I I don't. I just think they're just a different style of game. They're they're more of a puzzle as opposed to a story. Um, and that's just what I want out of it. Because I've always said this. I if I want a story or I want a solo experience that you know, is driven by the story in the game. I, I go play a video game. Like that's 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 for me what video games are. So board games I want a puzzle. I want something logic like a logic puzzle, a deduction, something that just works my brain a bit, because I like to do that. Um my job is been quite stressful so i like to kind of let go and think of something more fun than everyone else's problems that i deal with (laughs) on a daily basis Uh, i like to find a problem you know like how am i going to get more wheat like that's a problem i like to solve on the weekends Ooh, so much fun (laughs) yeah i like to analyze that process uh, as opposed to the processes i have to look at every day but um yeah i don't know 
it'll be interesting to hear what these clips say because I'd say I'm a little more, I don't know, you guys say I'm no fun, but I think I just know what is fun more so than I did before. Like, I know what my tastes are. I know what I have time for and what I want to play. So, yeah, I still have fun doing it. I just have my own fun. The clips aren't damning. Don't worry, Dan. They're danning, but that's because <laughs> I'm funny. I, 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 Yeah, I'm interested to hear them, but I don't, yeah. I don't think I've changed too much. I think, yeah, if I anything, think I've become fair. pickier. I think Mikey we've all style. become pickier, right? No, I was just going to say, I think everybody becomes pickier the longer you're in it. Like, when you're starting out, you're just trying everything. That's I how I have a 500-piece collection. Yeah, well, I can tell after one play, this game's going to stay in my collection. Or I'll, you guys have seen it in action. I have no problem selling or trading a game before the game's even over. Because I know, nope, this isn't going to work for my collection or my group. Um, I think that's something I've developed over the last five years or so but i have no sentimental attachments to board games that you know i don't think will fit yeah i i think i'm getting a little bit more selective i'm i guess i should say like i'm i'm still willing to try everything and anything and i'll still buy random stuff and i'll still engage in random gameplays and my collection has no uniform kind of it doesn't have a uniform nature to it but i think this show is weird because i think i get boxed into a corner from time to time I've never been a guy who's only playing Ameritrash games. I think it's just I'm the only one out of the three of us that's playing them. So, you know, I you guys already talked about Terraforming Mars, or I already gave my thoughts when you talked about it, so I bring up this other game. So I've definitely got a perception of, like, Matt plays dice rolling games, and I mean, I do love card... Oh, man, do I love a card combat game. Oh, man, I will play a two-player card game all day long. So, but I do find that my tastes are just... They're kind of broader than ever, and I like that because I play games for... I like the puzzle, but, you know, am I a notoriously good game player? I don't know. Like, I think that we have a good game group. Dan's a good gamer. Smee's a fantastic gamer. I think Kel's a worthy opponent. Ben's a great opponent. Steve's a great opponent. Like, there's so many people that I, I don't play games to be the best because... I'm playing against, you know, really good players. So I play for social reasons. I play to unwind, to meet people, to, to hang out. And I still do that just like I did two years ago. It's just that the games that I can, I can make any game into that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think part of what has, has changed my taste a little bit more towards fillers beyond just the board game club is that, um, I, a heavy euro to me is not relaxing you know what i mean like it's you have to use your brain i get analysis paralysis quite bad i'm notorious for it that's not relaxing to me something that i don't really have to concentrate on i'm using my brain so much during the day at work and i want to kind of turn it off a little bit because we have our game nights on thursday nights and i just like want to have a beer and something that i can play without having to dive in if i'm playing euros it's on the weekends or at one of my bigger things that don't happen as often and that's changed since we started the podcast yeah yeah so i'm i'm still up for playing everything it's i mean it sounds like for the most part we are kind of where we are and what dictates your play style is the circumstances that you're in is the context you know if i had unlimited time and money i'd still be playing the same games that i play now but i do have to tailor and play certain things because of you know job and work and life responsibilities group. and what did you say i said in your group dictates things yeah. too you know depending on who you have available to play with you yeah and i am known for buying a game that i want and then realizing that i have no one to play it with so i got a whole shelf of those yeah, which is a bummer. But, you know, that's that's life. And it's interesting how that starts to kind of tail and shape how you 
operate in the hobby. So uh, one thing that I do say is that I don't think, I think producing media has only opened my opportunities to try new things. I don't think that it's kind of forced my hand in any way. I definitely don't engage in things just for the sake of the show. So I do try to stay true to that. Like I'm still only playing games that I want to be playing, generally speaking. So anyhow, that's where I'm at. Friends, I think it's time. Mm -hmm. I think it's time for Dan's Clip Show Spectacular. Are you ready for it, Dan? I guess. (laughs) Dan, I have seven clips for you. They're short, don't worry. And what's going to happen is my lovely assistant Tiffany B is going to play them and then Tiff doesn't know what they're from either so you I want you to try to guess the context the game that you're talking about uh in this in the clip so let's see how you do I got seven quick ones then we'll round out the show all right you ready for number one I will yes in my that was mine top too. three I would say that was my game at the convention it was so much fun that's wild because this is everyone who played it loved it yeah all right, Dan. What game? Name that game. Game of the Convention? Isle of Sky. Tiff? Are these, do we know they're from what year it's from? No. Oh. No, you don't. You just have to gauge via Dan's enthusiasm. Tiff, here's a little pro tip. Last two years. Yeah, I, thanks, Dan. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll go with Isle of Sky, too. I mean, it's Dan talking about Dan. I'll trust him. That is from episode one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no. When you two discovered Rhino Hero. <laughs> yeah. I stand okay. by that. That's that's good. <laughs> Should have known from the horrible sound quality. Right? Yeah. We've come a long way. It's awful to go back before, like, episode 20. It's really bad. Oh, man. It's okay. Tiffany B, clip number two. Can we first stop and take a break and talk about how much I laughed every time when the rules were being explained? It said, place your junk in this space. I don't know. I guess it's my maturity level. No, it's not. I immediately tweeted about my junk. My junk was on full display this whole game. And I was just dropping my junk off in random squares throughout the Caribbean. And it was, (laughs) I was cracking up the whole time. Yeah. Madam Ching. <laughs> Definitely. Madam Ching from episode five, when you guys talked about your junk. That's a, that's a shorter version. Do, how long do we talk about our junk? Too long. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> I feel right, like so that might be the whole reason they made that game. Well, they definitely called it that way for a reason. Clip number three, please. I just felt like the <laughs> overall aura of the game was just... It was negative. It was like, if you don't do this, you lose points. If you don't do the this, game you lose is about points. mitigating losses instead of actual gains, yeah. kind of thing. Like instead, yeah. even just the way it's phrased. And so, like, if you don't upgrade a ship, you lose two points. How about when you upgrade a ship, you gain two? But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's I don't know. It's just nothing about it was fun to me. So Dan preaching for positivity in game. Classic. Parspace Foundry. He's got it. This guy knows his opinions on things. That was from episode thirty eight come a long way yeah some of these things feel like they weren't that long ago it's true like i feel like we had a conversation about your junk just (laughs) the other day dan's always talking about his junk that's true all right it's probably a new dexterity game remember i said that before like every dexterity game is is, you know predicated on someone's wiener (laughs) (laughs) all right so next clip it was hilarious and it was I knew going in that some, you know, random things like this were going to take place, and I, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was really light. It was pretty, pretty easy to understand. I think a lot of the cards and the iconography are pretty easy to grasp, and uh, I can't wait to play a full, full game of it. So, all right, Dan. Mm, I have no clue on this one. He's very enthusiastic. I tried to find Dan being excited about things. Yeah, Dan was enthusiastic once. I remember it. Full game. 
It was random and light, and you liked it. What could mm. that be? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what that could be. All right. Here's your well, hint. It's from we, episode 12. Can we get, like, three answers to choose from? Like, well, I want I'll, multiple choice. Give me another hint. It's from episode 12, and this will give it away. Um, you accidentally jumped into the sun. Ah. <laughs> it's Zaya. <Zaya>. Yep. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I did jump into the sun. Yeah. I was confused why you described it as light, but I, I got Cause, it. Because the sun produces light, and he was all up in it, right? Yes. But, no, I remember that being just like a big old like sandboxy game. It wasn't anything kind of like hugely cerebral and mental. It was just like, let's go over here. Doot, doot, doot. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, <right>. sun. We... <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> we have three more for you, Dan. Let's do it. There's no dates or anything. And I was like, crap, I thought this was something new. I thought I could back this, and I fell for it. People are so hyped about this game, which it's is going to be credit awesome. to him. He knows <laughs> it'll be what it is. I mean, we can talk about overhype so, later, but All right, Dan. That's mm, probably either Scythe or I don't know. I'm going to say Scythe. I think that's Scythe. It is, and I had to put it in there because this is from... I knew that we were going to talk about it today, and I knew your opinions. This is from episode 25. This is 26 episodes ago. <laughs> you were you were off the hype train. This was literally the conversation was, hey, Jamie Stegmaier just posted this picture, and Dan said, this game will be what it is, okay? <laughs> <laughs> he was not having that hype train. So kudos to Dan. For the record, I like bit of culture. Yeah. Keep this isn't a rag on Stonemaier Games episode, but, you know. Sorry. Are we ready for the next one? Let's see. All right, here it is. And this is a game about laying down sticks and creating squares. Um, that's basically <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yes. Is that what it says on the box, Dan? Pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's the description on the box. It says, lay down hmm. blue sticks, create blue squares. That's an uh, Android mainframe. Yes, it is. <laughs> And that's one that I just stumbled across because I was searching through the episode. That was episode 45. And Dan was like, yep, you just lay down sticks and make squares. And I was like, well, that's pretty much what you do. So, all right. Last this one. is the grand finale of Dan's Clip Spectacular. It's a good one. It's a classic for all of our friends here who are listening to the show. Go ahead, Tiff. Stick it on your shelf. <laughs> just the way you said that, stick it on your shelf. It just kind of came out weird. That's my, that's like my newscaster line. That's stick you... it on your shelf. Have a oh. good night. Stick it on your shelf. But doesn't that, okay. Am I the, okay. I quit. <laughs> the podcast. Goodbye. See ya. <laughs> I like that it ended with Dan. Just see ya. Uh, Dan, that was where you coined your, your famous tagline, stick it on your shelf, which you haven't used in a while. You might want to bring that back. Let's bring it back. What game was that in reference to, Dan? I know exactly what game it was in reference to, and this is this was a jaded me. This was a, a hungover jaded me. Jaded you? What? This was Machi Koro. It was. Dan coined his stick it on your shelf tagline in episode 8, telling everyone to buy Machi Koro. It's the worst advice he's ever given. It <laughs> is, and I will... I will gladly say sorry <laughs> to everyone. It's one of those times that you just have to accept your mistakes. Now, I just want to make clear to everyone, I'm not leaving the show. This sounds like some kind of like farewell episode like where you highlight everything I've done in like, the past two years. No, like, I... <laughs> I'm healthy. I'm here. 
I am fully alive, and I will still crap on games for the next two years, okay? No, I think that it's <laughs> wow. clear that for the two-year spectacular, I mean, you're the one that people, you're the talent, Dan, so we had to have a whole feature towards you. I have no talent. His talent just, like, is crapping on games. I wonder if it'll swing back around. Like, in, in two years from now, will Dan be the, like, super positive one? It could happen. I'm very positive, but I think that people <laughs> like Ron, maybe. I think people need honest opinions. Like, mm-hmm. I, well, you need to cut through the hype. Yeah. And that's what you're here for, you're man. You're definitely cutting through the hype with a machete. I think sometimes a negative review is positive. <laughs> is constructive. I don't know if negative review being positive makes sense. That's a paradox. No, no. Uh, if I'm looking at the chat, Robert Johnson wants to know who's the who's the new third ho- host. <laughs> I'm stumbling. <laughs> exactly. Um, it sound like... Steve says Amipolo, which I think is probably a pretty decent option. If we just put Dan's face on Amipolo and I just get it in Orioles cap. Yeah. Dear, dear Steve, the Amipolo would win more games than you. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, and then when they make show. the squeaky ones, it can be like Dan's voice going, It sucks. Burn it. Right? Ladies. Ladies. It sucks. <laughs> Burn it, ladies. Yeah. And you just like, that's what you do. It's just three <laughs> options. <laughs> If you want your Meepolo to say ladies, I'd be happy to speak into a little voice recorder. Dan is willing to meet you at a Build-A-Bear workshop and record his voice. Oh, that would be awesome. Build-A-Meeple workshop? I want oh. it. We need to talk to Top Shelf Fun. Mm-hmm. Why is it, Why is this guy here without any kids? This is not <laughs> creepy at all. Why does he keep saying ladies into everyone's bear? <laughs> I just keeps walking around picking up on every bear and saying, ladies. Yeah, well. Even the male bears. It's weird. It's the last time Dan was allowed in the mall. Yeah. You know, we, we did it, friends. Dan and Tiff, all of our listeners live and, and not live. Well, alive, but live listening and not live listening. We made it through two years of podcasting, and I don't think we're going anywhere. Are we? Not yet. Don't think that's the plan. You're stuck with us, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Apparently I am. appreciate you. Well, Dan's retiring from podcasting. Sorry. Dan's retiring from his angry gamer shtick, and now he's going to be super nice all the time. I am. Let's play all kinds of fun games, everyone. New he's year, new day. He's going to try two years of being overly positive. Two years of positivity. <laughs> nope. I did, I did make a promise that I would not crap on games without giving a reason and say that it's not for me. I think that's a great <laughs> way to do it. Now, see, I think that's garbage. I hate when people are like, well, it's not for me. You can say it's bad. It's fine, Dan. I'd it's rather bad. you just stick to your guns. Don't, it's don't compromise. Well, anyway. Thank you all for joining us for our two-year anniversary, episode 51. Live on the air or not live on the air, we appreciate your listenership. Uh, if you ever want to find us, you can do so on Facebook, facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email, podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Find us over on guild.nonsensicalgamers.com. It's BGG Guild number 2077. You can get a micro badge. You can contribute to some of the crazy segments that we had here. Uh, we're all you know, user-submitted. We have a couple other ones, like uh, Todd suggested Board Game Mashup, which is a great segment the salary cap draft board game thing, and Chris's that one time my co-hosts were right segment, which I think is a Mm. wonderful segment. I don't like that one. To do. So it's just because it didn't make it in the show doesn't mean we're not considering it. So please contribute the content that you, you know, want to hear we're willing to produce typically except everyone keeps asking us to burn real games i can't do I it can't do that i got a few i'd be happy to light on fire for you all right well maybe we'll take a video of dan burning some stuff and post it on youtube uh you can also find us on instagram hashtag nonsensical gamers to see our pictures nonsensical gamers is the account check it out we post all the games that we've been playing if you enjoy the content itunes reviews be like the sheep baron 
uh, Hearts on BGL, Stitcher, Google Play. These are the places that you can review us. You can tell us how you feel about the content. It doesn't have to be five stars. It just has to be honest. Let us know what you like and what you don't like so that we can improve the content and do another two years of good, solid podcasting. Thank you all for that. If you want to chat with us, Tiffany B., they find you on Twitter. Where is that? I'm at ineptgamer. And Dan, if they want to chat with you on Twitter... Um, at scandalous underscore nad is my personal account and at league nonsense for the league's account that I run. Yep, yep. And you can find me at cinnamon buns. And now you can see what my face actually looks like when Dan says spelled stupidly. Go ahead, Dan. You just said it for me. I didn't have to. It's spelled really dumb. Yep, spells really, spelled really dumbly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Nad of house scandalous. Yes. Get out of here. It's my Game of Thrones (laughs) house. Ladies and gentlemen, Tiffany B. and Dan, please say goodbye to our lovely listeners. Toodles. Bye. Bye-bye. to the chat. Yes, goodbye.